Are you looking for inspiration on a daily basis? Well, check out Give to Heal Teas. With our inspirational teas, you're sure to find something that will inspire you. Just go to dealtoheelteas.myshopify.com. That's Deal to Heal Teas. Get some inspiration in your situation. Wear inspirational tea and be inspired all day. That's Deal to Heal Teas at dealtoheelteas.myshopify.com. Hey guys, this is Ernest James, host of the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. And I got a question to ask you. Could you buy me a cheeseburger? Better yet, could you buy me a value meal? Yes? Well, guess what? I don't need a value meal. However, for the cost of a value meal, you can support this podcast to keep us on the air. Just go to Patreon slash Deal to Heal podcast and choose any one of the three tiers that's available. And if you just want to make a one-time donation, go to Cash App. And make a donation to dollar sign E James, the number 418. Make a one time donation to the Cash App, or again, go to Patreon to support this podcast and keep us on the air. Thanks in advance. Be blessed. Welcome to Deal to Heal with E. James Podcast. On this podcast, my guest and I will discuss topics and ways to help us to heal in every area of our lives. I believe that everyone can live a life that is happy, healthy, and whole. So I'm on a mission to help people to deal, heal, and fulfill. Deal with your problem, heal from the pain, and fulfill your purpose. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. I am your host, Ernest James, and I believe that everyone can and should live a life that is whole, healed, and healthy. And therefore, I'm on a mission to help people to deal, to heal, and to fulfill, to deal with your problems, to heal from the pain, and to fulfill your purpose. Thank you guys once again for tuning in to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. Uh, If you haven't already, make sure you Listen, like, subscribe, and share. Subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel so that you can be able to see uh, the episodes and uh, uh, help us there. We're definitely trying to get those numbers up. Make sure you subscribe to our Facebook page because we have so many other things that's going on. Um, That way we're able to give you information on a day-to-day basis um, for what's going on with the podcast. Also, what we have going on with webinars and uh, um also, uh, ebooks and things like that that's coming out. And make sure you subscribe to our um, audio podcast on Spotify. And if you guys hold on to the end, I'm going to tell you how you can win $100 from the podcast. Um, but you got to stay to the end to get that information. So make sure you stay uh, for that. Um, yeah. And, and one thing I would definitely want to mention now uh, is the launch of my website for the ebooks it's called ebooks by e james and the website is simply the same thing ebooks by ejames.com i have three ebooks that is up now one on uh, self-forgiveness one on manhood uh for young males and one uh called the four core which i'm very proud of uh which is the four core values that every daughter should get from her father uh that was made for our uh 
fatherless daughters. Uh, for those of you who know my story, that's why I started and how you know even got to the point of starting this podcast was from that mission. Um, but today, just like any other day, we are blessed with a guest, so we're gonna jump right into it. Mr. Carlos, how you doing? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me on, man. No problem, no problem. First of all, let me say thank you for being on. Because uh, you could have been doing anything else, but you're here with me, and I definitely appreciate it. I want you to know that up front. No so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're gonna jump right in. And um, Carlos, first of all, uh, do me a favor: as introduce yourself uh, to my listeners and tell them and us uh, who you are and exactly what it is that you do. All right. So my name is Carlos J. Malaver. I'm a educator, motivational speaker, and educational consultant. I've been doing this for over 10 years as an educator and speaker and consultant for over six years. I, within teaching and speaking, I've always wanted to create more impact. And I tried my very best to add more value to what I do on a consistent basis. So when I was getting into speaking and trying to figure out my niche, I remember when in 2015, when I moved to Houston, Texas, where I currently reside, I'm from New York City. When I moved to Houston, Texas, I was speaking around schools and someone referred me to restorative justice. I had no idea what it was, never heard about it before. And someone told me, a colleague of mine was like, hey, what you talk about is very similar to restorative practices, restorative justice. You should go to this conference and speak. I remember speaking and doing my research before I went to go speak and learning that a lot of it was similar to what I grew up seeing. My father was a product of the school to prison pipeline. And my mission within schools is helping people learn how to deal with conflict and deal with discipline within schools that will help the communities that need it most. A lot of the situations are dealt with and taken personally when it should be seen as a, a sign for help. And I think if my father would, was offered that, he would be in a much better place than where he ended up being. Um, so when when I started getting into restorative practices, uh, ironically, a school was there at that speaking engagement that I did that conference at in Houston. Kip Houston High School was there. And they eventually partnered with me where I consulted the school, worked with them, and then I became a restorative justice coordinator on their campus. I was doing conflict resolution on campus with staff and students, building relationships, and with the community as well, and learning how to restructure how things are done on campus. And they gave me a course called the Restorative Justice Council, said, do what you want with it. So I aligned the lessons to um, standards, made it measurable, made assessments, projects, and I used that class to kind of create a holistic view on restorative practices and restorative being. I call it the restorative power program, right? So the kids were learning conflict resolution circles and learning how to deal with things within their own lives. And then I gave them duties on campus where they would be assigned to things that may come up, run a circle here. Ibrahim, there's a fight upstairs. Go talk to that student, figure out what's the situation. Then we're going to run a circle later with all parties included. So things like that. And then on January 10th, 
2019, that same year that I was working, 2018 to 2019, I was a sort of justice coordinator. I used my network. I got I got my kids to get on ABC News. They heard about us. We did really well. We was going through different neighborhoods and schools to present what we were doing. And they were doing great in the school. It started shifting the culture. And then January 10th, 2019, my father committed suicide. And everything changed. And that's where I ended up I'm having to use the work that I created and was doing with the students and speaking across the country about to save my own life. And who was I now? What I was what was I gonna do now? And that wound is still open. And I, I live my my work out through walking the walk and actually being a representation of what could be if you actually dig deep and heal through the pain. Um, one of my favorite artists, well, my favorite artist is Jay-Z. And he said in a recent song a couple years ago, you can't heal what you never reveal. And when my dad did what he did, you know, a lot had to be revealed and I had to heal through that. So that's a little bit about me. And ever since I've been speaking even more, I got my curriculum. I left Kippish High School. I got my curriculum within schools in New York City and Texas. And I've been offering that as a service within schools to build a holistic view on restorative practices and actually do restorative power, which is a lifestyle, not something you do within the confines of six to eight hours a day. Okay, okay. So you, you said a mouthful, you said a mouthful, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm gonna pick out some, some different things that I definitely wanna uh, talk about. But let's go back, let's go back to uh, younger Carlos, right? Yeah. So you you started off telling us about, you know, coming as a speaker or starting as a speaker and, and on that journey. But I know uh, just from my own story, there's a story before that story, yeah. you know. And so who, who was Carlos before he started that journey that even led you to, you know, say, you know what, I want to do this with my life to make a change, you know, with the people that that, you know, uh, you come in contact with with the students. So who are you before? Who was young Carlos, you know, to get to that point? Gotcha, gotcha. So I was a young boy, grew up in not the best neighborhoods, but I, and I saw a lot of things I shouldn't have seen. And I've seen a lot of men not deal with their vulnerability and know how to articulate what they liked, what they didn't like, and how they wanted to be. And they struggle with that mightily. So growing up, like, for example, I saw alcohol and drugs as something that I, I personally did not want to do because I saw what it did to the people around me, my father in particular. Um, one thing that I did was I saw that they couldn't be themselves until they had a substance to help them change their mood. As a young kid, I said, ah, I don't ever want a substance to control or help me get out of something. I need to be able to do it myself. And I remember seeing those things to kind of develop who I was. So that's how I used to think as a little boy. I I was big into sports. I distracted myself from what was going on around me and I disciplined myself into basketball. I mean, I was, I was the gym rat. I was waking up five o'clock in the morning, going to shoot for like an hour and a half. And I'm talking about drenched sweat, like doing drills by myself in the dark, before school, shower, dribble to school, 
come um practice at school, come back and do my homework and then practice for two more hours outside. And in the summer it was crazy. So I was a fanatic. I ended up uh I played against a couple NBA players in high school. I got a scholarship to play division two basketball at Concordia College. And then I ended up moving to SUNY Cortland. And that's where everything changed, where I, I started working so hard to become a basketball player that I, I hated the idea of just being this jock. I knew I was more than that. And the way I thought, I knew it was different. So my father used to always come to me for advice since I was like 13. And I remember having to talk to him about things that I wish I could have gone to him about. Mm -hmm. right? So that's the, type, that's the type of upbringing I had and the childhood that I had. But I remember when I was in college, it all switched because I was like, I wanted to do more. So I got super involved. I became a resident assistant, multicultural life intern, uh, keynote speaker for the, the, the school associations, um, Caribbean Student Association president. And I just got super involved and then ended up wanting to have conversations with people from different walks of life and get to know them on a different level. And that kind of sparked what I'm doing now, just to be able to get in these spaces and interact with whoever and develop this universal appearance. Because I knew there was more out there in the world that I was in. And I had people, the best thing my father did was he allowed other men and other people to enter my life without letting his ego get in the way. And he exposed me to like, there's more out there. So I've always had this look on life, like there's more out there. I just need to expose myself. I need to push myself into those circles, push myself into those spaces. And then I can enhance who I am and what I have around me. So that's what my upbringing was about. That's who I was before what I'm doing now. Yeah. So you you said a couple of things that I, I definitely can relate to, um, even myself with my own father, uh, for some years, he uh, battled with uh, alcohol, you know, and, and some depression. And so, again, as a young child like yourself, you know, seeing that it was like, all right, you know, I, I don't even want to touch it, you yeah. know, because I don't know how it's going to affect me. You know, it may be, you know, one time thing and, and it may, you know, get to where I, I can't control it, you know. Yeah. And so like yourself, the same thought process of I want to always be in charge of my decisions, exactly. you know, because you hear not not necessarily from my father, um, but you hear growing up, you know, people doing different things. Is, oh, I did that because I was high or I did that because I was mm -hmm. drunk or I did that, you know, because I was impaired in some way. And so that always struck me like, OK, so why are you still doing it? You know, why would you mm -hmm. if you know that this substance or whatever this is, is making you behave in a way that you're not proud of? You know what I mean? Then why still indulge in it? That must mean that that substance itself yeah. has a hold of it of its own, you know. And so I always wanted yeah. to be yeah. again like yourself, a person that's in charge of my own decisions, you know. So I'm like, mm -hmm. nah, I can't, I can't let anything, you know, uh, affect me to the point where I'm making some kind of decision that I can't deal with the consequences of. You know, if mm -hmm. I make that decision, then it's, it's going to be a decision that I made, you know, because I want to, and it. it and it kind of spilled over even to other things in my life. So now I have a, I just have a thing with uh, like addiction or just bandwagon. You know, I remember mm -hmm. when, uh, when, uh, what was the name? Scandal. I remember when Scandal first came out, the show mm -hmm. Scandal. And people be like, oh, I got to get home to see Scandal. You know, I wouldn't even watch it. I'm like, no, because if it, if it has a hold on people that much, 
that you yeah. will stop your real life to get home to watch somebody portray a fantasy life. I'm like, I don't even want no parts of it, you know. Yeah. And so that's just how deep it ran with me with being able to be, you know, in control of my own life and make my own decisions and not being locked into any kind of substance or, you know, crowd, just running around with the crowd, you know. So I just, I, it's just something I couldn't do. And it, it, it served me well so far. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm on the same boat. I don't even drink coffee. I don't drink coffee. I don't do nothing that's addictive. Like it's just I, same thing. I never wanted to have anything have that power over me. So I wanted to be able to have full control of what I'm doing, where I am, and what's gonna happen to me. So mm -hmm. I'm on the same boat. Well, I do drink coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I, I drink coffee, but you know what? I, I drink it for the taste of it. It, it doesn't yeah. do anything for me. You know, so I, I kind of drink it out of routine. So every morning yeah. I have a cup, you know, and like I said, I, I just drink it just for the taste, really, because yeah, yeah. I can drink a whole thing and then go to sleep. People are like, how you go? They don't keep, no, they don't, they don't do nothing. You know, I just yeah, like to yeah. taste it. Anyway, that's a whole other <laughs> conversation. <laughs> but I want to I get into a, another thing that you said, because you mentioned about, you know, watching guys uh, grow up and not being, uh, in control of their their emotions, in control yeah. of you know who they are, being able to express themselves without some kind of substance or something to give them uh, permission, quote unquote, to be who they really are or to say who you know whatever that's on their mind. And and I and I reflect that to you know just like masculinity and being able to you know stand up in your manhood and, and and be who you are regardless of what that looks like in in different circles or in different places um but i think that there's a a disconnect in in masculinity or true masculinity especially nowadays um uh, within our youth and um uh, even within some of our adults you know some of the things that you know we see on social media or or in the news and things like that as guys reacting to situations you know, and not being able to, you know, comprehend correctly of what it means to 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 be to express themselves in good masculinity, and so now you're acting out in anger, you're acting out in you know all these other ways that's not you know beneficial to yourself. Neither is it beneficial to our, to our community. So when you when you talk about you know masculinity, you know, especially talking to the kids. You know, what is something that you give to them to for them to help them even understand what it really is to have, you know, pure masculinity and not this false, you know, example that we're seeing all over social media? Yeah, the, the, that's a great question. I think the biggest thing for me is the power and vulnerability is owning it. Like, I think men are so and people in general are just so mm -hmm. afraid to expose who they really are because of rejection because of being teased and other things that may come around you being open to, you know, being your full self. So yeah. I think what makes a man to me is someone that fully stands in who they are and has their principles and has integrity towards them. And I think is responsible for every action and is held accountable for everything that they do. And no man is perfect. No person is perfect. It's all about your reaction to accountability, your reaction to when you mess up. What do you do? Or is it a learning experience in that moment where you're battling something that you haven't even addressed or even 
are knowledgeable of. And I think masculinity is all tied around the power of your vulnerability. I think the more you talk about something, the more you understand it. So it doesn't matter how many people know it because you understand it most. A lot of people are so afraid to go to those dark places by themselves. And that causes them to miss that aspect of really becoming whole. And I think for me, like I said before, like the only reason that wound is still open with my father, my father committed suicide in 2019. It was very traumatic. I missed his call right before he did it. He was trying to get me to stop him. And I had to identify the body. It's very traumatic. The only reason I can have this conversation without breaking down is because I've done the work. I've cried numerous times. I'm more of a man today because I cried and I still cry. And I own that because I'm in touch with my feelings and I know what can make me sad. I know what are my triggers. I'm aware of those things. And every time that something may come up that I'm not aware of, I address it and I start working on it immediately. So when I talk about masculinity and wholeness, is all that part of that vulnerability? How how far are you willing to go to really understand who you are? Because you don't know who you are until the darkest things happen to you. Right. And I think um, like this, I know a lot of people use this reference, but I've seen this movie many times, Batman with Bane. And Bane was telling Batman when they're in the sewer, you know, Batman, you you visit the darkness. I live it. Mm-hmm. And that just hit me on a different level because it's like he's been through so much that he had to maneuver through it. So when you're coming in and visiting it and trying to be a superhero in it, it's not as strong as someone that lives in it on a daily basis. So that for me was like if I'm going there mentally and working on myself in those dark areas and then also having people around me that keep me accountable friends, family, and I constantly am addressing things within myself to better myself, then nobody can beat me. Everybody will be visiting my arena. And that's what I would say will make some, will give somebody the power <clears throat> to be a man, a woman. It doesn't even really matter, you know, the, the, the sex of a person. It just matters about the wholeness of the person and the understanding of who they are and what they're about and what they stand for. That's the main thing that captures me when I hear people talking about masculinity and what it what makes a man and all of this. It's all about what are you doing in those times of reflection or opportunities to reflect? Are you running from it or are you running or are you going towards it? Yeah. So you you said a couple of things, a couple of things that, that I want to hit on. One of them. Um, so when I when I talk to uh, young people in general, uh, definitely young men, but young people in general, and I always tell them it's, it's two things that makes you an adult, right? And so what did you turn up talking about? You know, becoming a, a man or becoming a woman? You know, it's two things that makes you an adult. That's respect and responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. And responsibility even more so than respect because if you are responsible, you gain respect because you become a person of your word. You know, you become a person of, of integrity just by being responsible of the things that, that you are, you know, around you. So one of the one of the quotes that I give uh, with my uh, 
um, male mentoring program is, you know, I am responsible for responding to everything that I see around me. So you're responsible for whatever needs to be done in your surrounding area, which will make you more responsible and respectful just because you're a man of your word. You know, you're a man of your word. You see something that needs to be done. Nobody got to tell you to do it just because it needs to be done. And you being responsible, you react to it. And then that goes back to, like you were saying, the accountability, because now when you're taking on the responsibilities of, of yourself, responsibility of those who are connected to you, whether it's your family, whether it's your friends, whether it's just your community, you're taking on a responsibility. What can I do to make things better? You know, and as you stand in that space, then there are going to be people that's going to hold you accountable because you've taken that stand. And that all be kind of works together to make you a, a well-rounded individual where you can be stand up in your masculinity, you know, and say, I am a man because I take care of what I'm responsible for. And not only what I'm responsible for, but I take care of the responsibilities that need to be taken care of just because I'm in a position to do so, you know, not because somebody told me, not because somebody paid me to do it, you know, but because I am a man and I'm a leader, I'm going to react to these responsibilities because I'm in a position where, you know, to set that example. And so those are two of the, two of the things that I teach, you know, the young men that I'm working with. But another thing I want to uh, uh, mention that you talked about was being able to be uh, in, in, uh, in tune with yourself or who you really are. And you never really know who you are until you know you were faced with different uh oppositions and so you mentioned that your your dad committed suicide and i talk about it all the time on on the show uh that i was in a place at one time a couple of years ago where i was considering suicide you know where i was having suicidal ideations um right after my mom passed um my mom passed away my mother-in-law uh passed away who i was really close to and also i ended up going through a divorce um, getting laid off of my job and the, you know, debt, depression. So all of this within the same time period, mm -hmm. you know, and to the point that I was just like, you know what, it's, it's too much, you know, and I, and I would, I myself was, you know, experiencing those thoughts that, you know, I'm just going to end it all. Mm -hmm. um, thankful for me uh, that I, I had my daughter and my mindset began to change. Well, what would happen to my daughter if something was to happen to me. So I had to take that focus off of me and put mm -hmm. it on her. So if nothing else, I'm going to stay here for her, you know, to make sure she's okay. At the time she was only like six or seven, mm -hmm. you know? And so also I had some people in my life to help me, you know, to get out of that place. But again, like you said, you don't know who you are until you're faced with opposition, because it's one thing to be like, you know, I'm, I'm this person, I'm this, I'm that. But if you're never tested, you don't even know if you're really that. You know what I mean? You know, you're, you don't even know if you're really this superhero or you're just a guy with a cape. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Until you're yeah. faced, you know, with these uh, uh, traumatic circumstances or just, you know, events that test tests your character, tests your yeah. your uh, masculinity in, in the midst of that. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sorry for your loss, man. I, I appreciate you sharing that with me. Uh, I think that's it's tough. You know, and mm -hmm. I, I appreciate you you going there with me and, and articulating it the way you did, because that's hard to go through. You know, and even I think, <clears throat> like you said, playing sports helped me because I got to see who I was. I used to love like the pressure moments. I was a guy that I, I would not 
crumble under like pressure because I would work so hard when nobody's watching. When when the lights were on, I loved it. I loved the trash talking. I loved the bumping. I loved the the the, the people coming at me. And then I would come through and I'll finish it. Right. So I, I knew I had that aspect in me. But when this thing happened with my father, you know, it was the first time where I I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to do anything. I wake up in, in, in tears. And I think through that, it kind of like helped me, you know, break myself down to ground zero. You know, and 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 people need to understand when like it's hard because I was a motivational speaker and already before it happened and I was trying to connect and you hear speakers that have this power of this influence that's deeper than others right and then you just got to go off your life experience when this happened I finally understood what it meant to not want to get up to not want to go to school to not want to do things so I kind of it opened up a different a different lens for me it made me see the other side for the first time because i was naturally disciplined and willing to get up and do all those crazy things with sports and i would always be like yo people just lazy now it stopped becoming people just lazy like i'm like oh damn people going through something what is it let's have this conversation i'm willing to go there now on a different level so it brought power to that but when that happened you kind of do the self-discovery to another level. Like I found out that my father's father jumped in front of a truck and died when my father was four. My father jumped in front of a train. My job is so that I don't jump. So my daughter asks, why did he jump? Mm-hmm. It's a cycle. And I'm sure if I look back at my my lineage even deeper, I'm sure there's a, a ripple effect of you know this happening. So- yeah. Like I saw with the drinking and with the drugs and everything I saw going around me as a way to get away from what actually needed to be done and addressed, I seen this as a life experience that, okay, this isn't just one time. Like This has been happening, depression, uh, trying to figure out what's going on and not feeling alone. And struggling with that. And all the men in my family struggled. So what do I need to do to get out of that? I remember therapy. Like my father, he he used to give me these long conversations about how therapy didn't work. He was wasting his money. He would go there. He would get no answers. He wouldn't feel better. It was like, it felt crazy. And if you look at the history of therapy for people of color, in particular black people, like it was used as a way to spy and get information from them. So like now when you hear over generations, it became like, you don't talk about your business, right? But they, if you look back at it, it was a reason for that, right? And people just stop saying less. It's like telephone. The story gets different as it goes along, right. but that's where it originated from. So we had this idea of like not wanting to share what we're doing because it's giving people information to be able to harm us, right? So... My father had that ideology and he pushed it on me. And I remember my wife, when my father passed and I was going through it and she she looked at me with the most concerned face and she was like, I'm scared. And I was like, why, what happened? And she was like, because now that your father's gone, he's he was a measuring stick for so long. 
who are you now? And I couldn't answer that question because my father built me to be better than him. So now that he was gone, I had no measuring stick no more. The next day I was in therapy. And I remember sitting there and thinking about all the things my father told me and what I thought about therapy. And I started talking and then it clicked. And I was like, oh, why did my wife come to me? Because she was overwhelmed. I kept on using my wife to drop my backpack on her. So that became her stress. And then the way we communicate started becoming a problem. So she pushed that I need to go to therapy. And that's where the fear in that conversation was going. Oh, if I'm in this room, I'm paying this person. They got to stay here. I'm just dropping my bag. And when I drop my bag, I understand it better. They're not supposed to tell me anything. I'm supposed to process. When I process it, I could go back to my wife. And it's not dropping the bag. It's more a reflection of what I've learned through the experience. And that right there was like, oh, that's therapy. So like things like that is what you need to be able to do to discover who you are in those dark places. But not many people are willing to go there because it's scary. And it's, it's, it's something that, you know, you feel like one, you need the support to go through that. And then mm-hmm. two, not, not, not knowing where it will end up, if it will work is the fear of it. So I think more people need to share their success stories like yours and mine so that people can hear, oh, there's 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 a there's a better way that comes out of doing that. Yeah, you know and I, and I I, I I applaud you also cuz I'm just listening to you and and this is what you know one of the things that we need we're talking about uh masculinity but this is just one of the things that we need is to be able to have platforms and opportunities you know where men can just open up and be vulnerable like you said because i think that's that's like the foundation of us going up you know is when we're able to be vulnerable to the point that we can spill like this is who i am or who i was at my lowest moment then we can build up from there and i think that's one of the things that you know, we don't have enough of, you know, in, in our culture because we start building so early. So, you know, this false narrative of being strong and being powerful and being, you know, all of this that we never take out the time to say, no, this is who I really am right now. I'm just I'm just a scared little boy. You know what I mean? But I, I want to grow. I want to become this. And then when we're able to be vulnerable with where we are, we can build ourselves up you know, and build up our community and things like that. And so I, I definitely appreciate you, you know, even taking out the time to, you know, put into the description what, how you felt, you know, with the uh, situation with your dad. And, and again, I, I can definitely agree with going through that time period of, of not wanting to eat, not wanting to leave the house, not wanting to do anything. You know, like I said, like you had your wife, I also had some people in my, in my life to kind of pull me and say, come on, we gotta, we gotta keep pushing, you know, mm-hmm. until I was able to get out of that out of that space. But I definitely know that, you know, this is one of the things that we need, one of the conversations that, you know, men need to hear that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to say who you are. It's okay to own who you are and how you feel, because I don't think we have enough uh, opportunities. And even if we do have the opportunity, we don't always take it to say that, you know, yeah, I might look like I'm, you know, this person, but underneath, this is what I'm really dealing with. You know, this is what I'm really going through. And I think uh, uh, that's one. I'm very glad that you even went there, you know, because vulnerability is one of the things I wanted to talk about. But even in our conversation, I think it's it's kind of been explained and showed just with us being vulnerable enough to say, hey, I was at this point, 
You know, I was at this point where I, I was going through huge depression myself. You know, like I said, you know, my mom passed, my mother-in-law passed, divorce, all of that at the same time. I definitely went through a deep depression, you know, but being able to say that, you know, from a place that, hey, it's okay, because I know I'm not the only one going through it. I'm not the only one that has dealt with it, you know, and I'm not the only one who's came out on the other side of it. But also, definitely, we need to be able to say that, be able to show that, be able to convey that to others so that, you know, there are some people who didn't make it to the other side. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And But had they had someone or seen the example of something different, you know, maybe they had, would have been able to, you know, uh, deal with their situations a little bit different, you know. Yeah. And another thing I wanted to talk mention about one thing that you said was the generations of, of how things went back, you know, even with your dad. And so I, I mentioned, you know, even coming to this, getting to this point where of starting the podcast, my original um, journey was as a fatherless daughter advocate, and which I still am, but that was my original work. And so when I talked to the fatherless daughter, that's one of the things, one of the first questions that I asked them is, you know, um, take into consideration, you know, if you are a fatherless daughter, ask yourself, was your mother a fatherless daughter? Then was her mother a fatherless daughter, you know, and, and taking into consideration how far does it actually go back? Mm -hmm. And as they begin to really look at it, the generations of this same cycle going, you know, it's like, man, it might be, you know, two, three, four generations or more that it, yeah. you know, this cycle continues. So then the next question I ask is, my question is now how many generations are going to come after you? Because now that you know, now you know, now you're aware, now you see the cycle of how it's, how it's played out throughout your life and the life of your family. So now that you are paying attention to it and you see it, now the question is, what are you going to do different so that it stops with you? You know, and so I think that can be applied, you know, even in, in this conversation with, you know, the uh, uh, whether it's alcohol or whatever the substance is, or even if it's not a substance, if it's just community, you know, who you surround yourself with, the kind of lifestyle that you live, you know, that's been passed down from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do different, you know, to change that outlook and change that projection of where your family is going to go, where your, your children, your grandchildren are going to go, you know, yeah. what they're going to think and believe, you know, and, and I, I think that's a, a great that we're able to, you know, just have this conversation that even goes that way, you know, yeah. to open up those doors of, of vulnerability for to give men uh, uh, permission, should I say, to yeah. just be themselves and, and to open up about what they're really dealing with. Absolutely, absolutely, it's needed, man. It's needed, and I think um, it's 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 hard, and people need to understand it is hard, but. Once you go through it and see the other side, I think it, it, it's, it helps when you have more people leading the work, as an example, as you said. So that's what we're doing now through these platforms and trying to support and, and help people have the spark up these conversations with their community. But I think, you know, with my daughter, I think it's big that she understands. My wife says this all the time she's not going to see what I went through. She's only going to see what I'm not giving her. And that right there like resonates with me because it's like every generation, like you see people that they come from poor um, 
impoverished backgrounds, and then they build themselves up to super wealthy. And then over generations, it fluctuates, goes up and down. Like, and then mm-hmm. you know, it goes back down to losing it all. A section of the family gets disconnected. Then you know, you have single parents, and then then eventually someone makes it out again, right? But I think that all happens because of this missing piece. Mm-hmm. Like people aren't talking about like these conversations to understand the past. And, and you know, when someone grows up wealthy rather than, you know, poor, there's a different upbringing. There's a different looking at life, right? So you walk through life maneuvering differently and it has its advantage and disadvantages. But the only way to connect the two is if you have these conversations and you expose the, 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 the generation to the other side. And build the community within. So I think, I think that's the biggest thing. So like for me, my my daughter isn't seeing the alcoholism, the 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 the, the, the drug use, and all that. She doesn't even know that happened. Mm-hmm. She's only seeing what I'm not offering her. So like for me, having those conversations and not trying to keep her away from that, but opening up that dialogue eventually, we're exposing her to where it came from, where where we're at now, and then how to move forward, right? So that the cycle doesn't continue. And it's not a matter of like, oh, they just didn't know what they were doing. It's more of like, oh, there's a pattern here. You know, people aren't really healthy mentally. They're just mm-hmm. getting by and then they're just working. And then, and if they do well for themselves and they smile, nobody checks on them. So what do you do to be able to be whole and be able to have conversations with people that seem fine and don't seem fine and how to continue to be uh, in that world of not having to be a superhero, but have empathy. Right. And when you have empathy, you can grow, right? And understand more situations. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, that's really important, man. And, and, Man, I know we kind of went a different way <laughs> than than uh, we intended, but I always tell you know tell all my guests that it goes the way it goes for a reason, yeah. you know. So uh, one of uh, I think it's one of the old sayings, you know, if you want to make God laugh, laugh. Tell him your intentions, you know. Tell him yeah. your plan, you know. Yeah. So I believe that he has his his own plan and the way he he wants things to go. And so I, you know, have it flows is the way it flows uh, because yeah. I believe every everything that we say needs needed to be said. Yeah. You know, uh, so definitely I want to appreciate, uh, thank you for, you know, for even having this conversation, you know, for us to be vulnerable, having this sound for us as two men to be able to be vulnerable about, you know, the things that, that we face and the things that we've made it through. Um, but I want to, I want to turn it just a little bit on, a, on another note, um, because you mentioned earlier, you know, about, about your book. So I want to talk to a, a little bit about the book. Um, uh, how did it co- come about? And what is it that you hope that the people that read it, your students, what did they get out of it? So my book, Translating Your Success, is on Amazon. And what I did with the book, I was doing it while I was a teacher. So I was I was teaching middle school, age sixth grade, all the way to eighth grade at the time. No, sixth grade all the way to high school at the time. And I was dealing with kids on a daily basis and seeing the struggles and not having representation and not being interested in reading. I didn't read my first book until cover to cover until college. It was The Alchemist. And it changed my life. Like I seen something that was 
intriguing. It was interesting and it had a purpose and made me think about my own life. So for the kids that I was dealing with, I wanted to give them something that they can one, finish, and then two, see themselves in. So what I did was like the book made me think about my own life. I, The Alchemist, that is, I started like using examples of my life as a son, as an athlete, as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as a basketball player to give, be the example. And then from the example, I will help them think about their own situations. I will pull things that I translated into success. I, I grew up in a bilingual household, so I spoke English and Spanish. And I realized real early that two things can look totally different for me in the same. Well, I think we, we lost you a little bit, uh, Carlos. It seemed, seemed like you froze. Um, but I, I definitely want to uh, touch on some of the things that you were saying uh, in the book. Uh, hopefully we get you back uh, get you back on in a second. Um, but, yeah, to be able to take and that's one of the things I like about having uh, guests who have written books because we're able to pull out things from our lives and also transcribe it into writing you know, uh, so that people are able to gain lessons from our lives to be able to hear the things that we've been through and see the transformation and be able to, uh, you know, take the things that we've been through and apply it to their lives, you know, um, and to get the messaging that, that we wanted to get out. And so I'm, I'm going to give it back to you to, you know, to finish what you were saying, you know, about, you know, again, what what was the main message that, you know, you wanted to get out to the listeners, I'm mean, not the listeners, but to the readers of your book. And, you know, what are you hoping that they get out of that? Uh, I think we think we lost you again. Don't seem like we froze up. But yeah, so guys, um, um, I know we having a little technical diff difficulties real quick, but, you know, I'm going to make sure that I put uh, Carlos' information, um, definitely his information for the book is going to be in the, um, in the notes. And I'm going to make sure that I put it on there. I think we think we back. We back. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's happening, but <laughs> I'm glad that you're back. Um, yes. Again, so I'll turn it over to you again real quick just to finish talking about the book and what do you hope that your, your the readers get out of it? So as I was saying... Growing in a bilingual household, I saw two words that look completely different mean the same thing. That's how I was able to translate my success in all aspects of my life. So starting with sports, I would see what I was doing there, right, to understand the process of getting better and enhancing my skills. I took that into every aspect of my life, whether it was relationships, whether it was dealing with career, whether it was my education. I started translating it. So the book is just an example of like, I go over principles in all aspects of my life and I show, I point, pinpoint them out. And then at the end of the chapter, I give you an opportunity to reflect and answer questions on your own situation. So my, the first chapter, I talk about how I found out alcoholism was a problem. I was nine years old. I was, uh, I woke up in the middle of the night, dressed, sweat, worried about my father, if he was coming home or not. And then I wake up, I see the shower on and I see my father fully um, clothed in the tub, trying to wake himself up with water. And I was like, oh, there's a problem. So growing up, I used to ask the wrong questions. 
and I had to learn how to ask the right questions. And I used to be angry and upset and, you know, fight with my father. And then when I started asking the right questions, everything changed. Bob, why do you drink? What made you want to go there? What are you afraid of happening? And then when I got those answers, I was able to understand better. So the first question after the first chapter is who do you need to talk to? What a question you need to ask that person. Go have that conversation and reflect in the, in in this section right here. So the book is kind of like a journaling for you to do the process. And I'm just an example. So I did that to give my kids an, an uh, example of someone that was close to them that they could see themselves as, right? And, and see themselves through. So it was just something that I was doing for the community that I was working for. And then it ended up being something that uh, ended up being a need in more than one place. So now it's on Amazon. I'm a speaker. I offer it as a part of my package as well now. And people use it as a tool within seminar classes, high school, middle school, and in college level to kind of help kids spark up those conversations in all aspects and use me as an example to help trigger that 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 view of, hey, I'm not alone. Someone else is going through something similar or someone else uh, connected the dots and I can too. Okay, cool, cool. So Carlos, man, I want to thank you uh, for being on. I, I really enjoyed this conversation definitely with us being able to be uh, vulnerable as, as two men having a conversation uh, for the real to see and hear. You know, I, I definitely appreciate you being on, appreciate you taking out your time. Um, you know, to, uh, to to be on, to be a guest. So I'm going to let you have the last word. Um, I want you to, to you know, leave us with a word of inspiration or, or messaging, whatever it is that's on the top of your heart that you want to leave the listeners with. And definitely make sure you give us your um, uh, social media handles or, or, you know, anything, any information, you know, how we can work with you, things like that. So I'm going to give you a, a second to, to think about that. Yeah. Um, to my listeners, guys, thank you guys again for, for tuning in. Um, uh, I know I told you guys at the beginning that I would tell you how you can win $100 from the podcast. And so let me say you can win $100 from the podcast by being or entering our super subscriber contest. So what does that mean? That means you must subscribe to our YouTube channel for the podcast, to our Facebook page for the podcast, and also to our uh audio podcast on Spotify. Once you've done those three things, then you will text the word WIN, W-I-N, to the number 866-326-0730. That's 866-326-0730. When you do that, you uh, automatically enter the contest to be able to win $100 uh, from the podcast. And the the contest is ongoing. And it's random, so I can pull a name at any time to you know pull out a winner, and it never stops. So, uh, you know, once you win, you win. If you didn't win, you know, at one particular time, you can always win again later because you know it doesn't stop. So, make sure you guys take you know opportunities to do that again. Join our uh super subscriber contest by subscribing to our YouTube page, uh, our Facebook page, and also Spotify uh podcast audio podcast. Then text the word WIN, W-I-N, to 866-326-0730, again, to qualify. So uh, once again, Carlos, let me say thank you again uh, for coming and, and to lending us your, your knowledge and your wisdom. And, you know, I really appreciate you being on. So uh, 
again, I let you have the last word, so the floor is yours. I appreciate that. A lot of what I've been doing now is all about alignment. When you align your lifestyle to the work, to your career, to your family life, then everything becomes something that you understand better, right? So everything that I do aligns to my mission, right? Of being able to own your vulnerability and take the power back. So that's one thing that I will preach and push everybody. I'm a hustler by heart and I come up from that. So, but I've learned when you're hustling at things that are completely different, it throws off your purpose. Aligning. Everything that you talk about, everything that you do should be the same in all aspects. So you can walk that walk and not just talk the talk. I'm the same person at work that I am at home and anywhere you'll see me. So I will push everybody to do that for themselves and then grow. You can find me anywhere. Uh, if you type my name up on Google, see uh, Carlos J. Malaver. Make sure you put the J in the middle. That'll differentiate me from every other Carlos in the world. And mm. my Instagram handle, CJ Motivation. Website, cjmotivation.com. I'm open. I'm ready to work with anybody and talk, and I'm here. I'm just here to be someone to lead by example and be here to help anybody in need. So thank you for having me, and I appreciate anybody uh, watching, everybody that's watching, anybody that wants to stay connected. All right, all right. So there it is. You can't end it no better than that. Uh, again, thank you, Carlos, for being on. Uh, to my listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. Tuning in once again to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast, where our mission is to help you to deal, to heal, and to fulfill, to deal with your problems, to heal from the pain, and to fulfill your purpose. So until next time, we'll see you guys next week. Be blessed. Hey, guys, I know you're enjoying the podcast. However, don't forget to join our text line at 866-326-0730. That's 866-326-0730 in order to receive text messages with new events and things that is going on and new episodes as they release. All right. See you in a minute. Thanks for listening to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. Remember to listen, like, subscribe, and share. This episode has been brought to you by Deal to Heal Teas. Put some inspiration in your situation. Wear an inspirational tea and be inspired all day. Let's go to dealstoheeltees.myshopify.com. Remember, our mission is to help you to deal, heal, and fulfill. Deal with your problem, heal from the pain, and fulfill your purpose. Thanks for listening.